0: Episode 7, Chapter 4. By the late summer, the news of what had happened on Animal Farm had spread across half the county. Every day, Snowball and Napoleon sent out flights of pigeons, whose instructions were to mingle with the animals on neighboring farms. Tell them the story of the rebellion and teach them the tune of Beasts of England. Most of this time, Mr. Jones had spent sitting in the taproom of the Red Lion at Willingdon, complaining to anyone who would listen of the monstrous injustice he had suffered in being turned out of his property by a pack of good-for-nothing animals. The other farmers sympathized in principle, but they did not at first give him much help at heart each of them was secretly wondering whether or not he could somehow turn jones's misfortune to his own advantage it was lucky that the owners of the two farms which adjoined animal farm were on permanently bad terms one of them which was named foxwood was a large neglected old-fashioned farm much overgrown by woodland, with all its pastures worn out and its hedges in a disgraceful condition. Its owner, Mr. Pilkington, was an easy going gentleman farmer who spent most of his time in fishing or hunting, according to the season. The other farm, which was called Pinchfield, was smaller and better kept. Its owner was a Mr. Frederick, a tough, shrewd man perpetually involved in lawsuits, and with a name for driving hard bargains. These two disliked each other so much that it was difficult for them to come to any agreement, even in defense of their own interests. Nevertheless, they were both thoroughly frightened by the rebellion on Animal Farm, and very anxious to prevent their own animals from learning too much about it. At first, they pretended to laugh, uh, to scorn the idea of animals managing a farm for themselves. (laughs) The whole thing would be over in a fortnight, they said. They put it about that the animals on the Manor Farm, for they insisted on calling it the Manor Farm, they would not tolerate the name Animal Farm. They insisted the animals were perpetually fighting among themselves and were also rapidly starving to death. When time passed and the animals had evidently not starved to death, Frederick and Pilkington changed their tune and began to talk of the terrible wickedness that now flourished on Animal Farm. It was given out that the animals there practiced cannibalism tortured one another with red-hot horseshoes, and had their females in common. This was what came of rebelling against the laws of nature, Frederick and Pilkington said. However, these stories were never fully believed. Rumors of a wonderful farm where the human beings had been turned out and the animals managed their own affairs, continued to circulate in vague and distorted forms. And throughout that year a wave of rebelliousness ran through the countryside. Bulls which had always been tractable suddenly turned savage. Sheep broke down hedges and devoured the clover. Cows kicked the pail over. Hunters refused their fences and shot their riders onto the other side. Above all, the tune and even the words of Beasts of England were known everywhere. It had spread with astonishing speed. The human beings could not contain their rage when they heard this song, though they pretended to think it merely ridiculous. They could not understand, they said, how even animals could bring themselves to sing such contemptible rubbish. Any animal caught singing it was given a flogging on the spot. And yet the song was irrepressible. The blackbirds whistled it in the hedges. The pigeons cooed it in the elms. It got into the din of the smithies and the tune of the church bells. And when the human beings listened to it, they secretly trembled, hearing in it a prophecy of their future doom. Early in October, when the corn was cut and stacked and some of it was already threshed, a flight of pigeons came whirling through the air and delighted in the yard of Animal Farm in the wildest excitement. Jones and all his men with half a dozen others from Foxwood and Pinchfield had entered the 5 barred gate and were coming up the cart track that led to the farm. They were all carrying sticks, except Jones, who was marching ahead with a gun in his hands. Obviously, they were going to attempt to recapture the farm. This had long been expected, and all preparations had been made. Snowball, who had studied an old book of Julius Caesar's campaigns, which he had found in the farmhouse, was in charge of the defensive operations. He gave his orders quickly, and in a couple of minutes, every animal was at his post. As the human beings approached the farm buildings, Snowball launched his first attack. All the pigeons, to the number of thirty-five, flew to and fro over the men's heads and emptied their bowels upon them from midair. And while the men were dealing with this, the geese, who had been hiding behind the hedge, rushed out and pecked viciously at the calves of their legs. However, this was only a light skirmishing maneuver, intended to create a little disorder. And the men easily drove the geese off with their sticks. Snowball now launched his second line of attack. Muriel, Benjamin, and all the sheep with Snowball at the head of them rushed forward and prodded and buttoned the men from every side, while Benjamin turned around and lashed at them with his small hoofs. But once again, the men with their sticks and their hobnailed boots were too strong for them. And suddenly, at a squeal from Snowball, which was the signal for retreat, all the animals turned and fled through the gateway into the yard. The men gave a shout of triumph. They saw, as they imagined, their enemies in flight, and they rushed after them in disorder. This was just what Snowball had intended. As soon as they were well inside the yard, the three horses, the three cows, and the rest of the pigs, who had been lying in ambush in the cowshed suddenly emerged in the rear, cutting them off. Snowball now gave the signal for the charge! He himself dashed straight for Jones. Jones saw him coming, raised his gun, and fired. The pellets scored bloody streaks along Snowball's back, and the sheep dropped dead. Without halting for an instant, Snowball flung his fifteen stone against Jones's legs jones was hurled into a pile of dung and his gun flew out of his hands but the most terrifying spectacle of all was boxer rearing up on his hind legs and striking out with his great iron shod hooves like a stallion his very first blow took a stable lad from foxwood on the skull and stretched him lifeless in the mud At that sight, several men dropped their sticks and tried to run. Panic overtook them, and the next moment all the animals together were chasing them round and round the yard. They were gored, kicked, bitten, trampled upon. There was not an animal on the farm that did not take vengeance on them after his own fashion even the cat suddenly leapt off a roof onto a cowman's shoulders and sank her claws into his neck, at which he yelled horribly. At a moment, when the opening was clear, the men were glad enough to rush out of the yard and make a bolt for the main road. And so, within five minutes of their invasion, they were in ignominious retreat by the same way as they had come, with a flock of geese hissing after them and pecking at their calves all the way.